going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Hills of Silent podcast, where we chop it up about the games of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It has been a wonderful week. Let's dive in. Mitch, I know you've been playing something new. What you been playing, my man? Yeah, uh, have uh, it's been a, a new bedtime game that I've been playing, and you know how much I love a good bedtime game, something to wind me down, and a lot of times I do gravitate toward the puzzle games. And uh, I do a lot of Sudoku on my Twitch, or on my Switch, I should say. And uh, But this time I'm playing a Japanese puzzle video game uh, developed by HAL Laboratory, and it is called Picross 3D Round 2. I actually recently software modded my 3DS, so nice. I uh, had a, a, a thank you, Mike, for uh, showing me uh, showing me the ropes on that one. Uh, so I had a, I had some games at my disposal, and I was always curious about this one. And I was looking for a puzzle game before bed, and I happened to stumble upon this one, and uh, it does not disappoint. Uh, I had heard it's gotten really very favorable reviews from people that actually listened to another podcast where a guy was doing a similar situation was playing it a lot before bed so i figured i would give it a try uh the rules of pacross uh are are kind of confusing but uh i'm not very good at it i don't think but i'm i am having fun with it so um these rules of pacross are applied to a three-dimensional puzzle uh, there's like three difficulty levels. I'm just doing medium, um, which honestly, I probably should turn it down a notch because I'm not doing great. I'm getting through them, but I'm making mistakes. Um, so it's me- it's easy, medium, and hard. Uh, players must analyze the numbers featured on rows and columns and either paint or break specific blocks to reveal a 3D model of an object or a character. Um, I found one that was like a, a little like duck and like <laughs> it could be like a duck or something like as simple as like a pencil or it, it's just these little 3d models of random figures but they, it's fun to see what they are as you're like going through this puzzle and you can kind of see it take shape so it's almost um, like you're playing a puzzle game but at the same time you're sculpting and yes. chiseling away to reveal your sculpture i guess to say exactly Exactly. Yeah, you're 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 chiseling away, but you're also painting uh, either uh, blue or orange, depending on you got to follow the rules of the the numbers that are shown in the rows and columns. It kind of reminds me of a Rubik's cube almost, but like instead of like just turning the Rubik's cube to try and match colors, you are you are painting it with different colors, and then yeah, as you said, chiseling away. Um, as I said, it's a, it's a bit hard to play. Uh, I think I'm way better at Sudoku than I am at this, but uh, it's been a fun challenge. It gets the brain going. Like I said, it's a good bedtime game. It kind of wears me out because I'm really having to think about uh, the rules that they, they bring forward um, in, in these games, and it gets harder as I go along. So, yeah, it's it's been a fun one. Uh, it, it's really uh, the only thing that I've been, I'm, I'm willing to share and I'm playing right now, but uh, it's, uh, it's definitely been worth uh, the time I put in. You a fan of puzzle games, Mike? I don't think we talk about puzzle games very often. Uh, man, rarely do I play puzzle games. Um, yeah, probably the closest I get is other games that have puzzle aspects in them, like Resident Evil, the old school Resident Evil games that puzzles. Um, every once in a while, I'll play like a point-and-click adventure game, which typically has puzzles in it but those are those are a little different than stuff like sudoku um so how do you say it? sudoku i say sudoku i i sudoku. think but okay i think some people do say sudoku though too <laughs> i don't know man shows you how much i play that but yeah definitely puzzle games right before bed are good because if i'm jumping in some game where i'm like shooting people and stuff like my adrenaline's gonna get going and i'm not gonna get sleepy but if i play a puzzle game then yeah, it's gonna put me out. And actually, yeah, been... good. One puzzle game I I did play not that long ago was one of your favorites, um, the Ace Attorney series. Oh yeah. Uh, kind of, kind of a point and click adventure as well, but yeah, definitely put a lot of puzzle elements in that. Yeah. So that one, yeah, that's a hybrid because that's kind of like, um. Oh, what were we talking about? Graphic novel. That's kind of like a mix yeah. between a graphic novel 
a light puzzle game because you're solving the cases and uh, point and click adventure. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say it has too much point and click adventure, although I was only playing one game out of the series, so I don't know. And it was like, I think it was playing the very first one on the 2DS. Yeah, I think a graphic novel is a better way to describe it than point and click. But yeah, um, that was a good one right before bed because you get some story and then some light puzzles. And uh, yeah, I was yep. I was asleep, and just just after a couple of minutes, <laughs> the 2DS on my lap or 3DS because I'm playing on 3DS, even though it's a 2DS. Little, pen, little pencil that for the 3DS still in your hand. While yeah, you're <laughs> dude, when I got a 3DS, I went on eBay and bought like a whole pack of those styluses because I'm like mm. I know I'm gonna lose these all over the place. It was like two bucks for like a 10 pack or something. Oh, yeah. They're so cheap. Anyway, cool, man. Uh, this is not one I've heard of. And uh, yeah, I didn't even know this existed until you brought it to my attention. Yeah, if you have a 3DS, uh, it's definitely one. I'm not sure what it costs to get a physical copy of this these days. Uh, but I kind of want to. Man, look 3DS it up. games have been going up in price. It's been getting yeah. ridiculous. I'll take a look. Round two, physical. Cross. Okay, it looks like you can get some on. Let me go to eBay. Here. Wait, which one? You said this is the second one? Yeah, this is round two. There's not a big difference between the two games. Um, I'm not even seeing this. How do you spell it? Oh, Picross uh, 3D. P I C R O S S. Picross 3D. I'm only seeing I'm the first seeing... one on DS. So I see the second one on 3DS. It is uh, $15.99, but it's also a $10 shipping charge. So, uh, okay. But not, still reasonable. Not horrible. No. Yeah, but there are some 3DS games that are very sought after and hard to get nowadays. Um, yeah, when I was at that used game store in Gulf Shores the other week... In the glass case, they had a ton of 3DS games, and I mean, a lot of them were in the hundreds. It was just a bunch of RPGs and or JRPGs, and I was just like, man, these these are going up like crazy. Yeah, those JRPGs, man, they're just they're always sought after. Yeah, that's why like Nintendo consoles, I rarely collect for, because it's just man, that's that's the rich man's console <laughs> in the collecting world. All those Nintendo stuff, the GameCube, um, 3DS, Super Nintendo, N64, all yeah, that stuff though, just gets too expensive. I'm a Wii U collector. Like That's probably my main one that I actually like phys like seek out and collect for, and I still haven't bought some of them because they're just insanely priced. I'm just like, I can't, I, I can't justify this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Wii U is going up too. It's, I mean... The fact that it did not sell well means that there's less copies of all these games out there, which that always equals more expensive when it comes around to uh, collectors wanting to get a hold of them. It's funny because uh, we talked about Zelda Breath of the Wild in the past episode, and that is one of the games where I thought, oh, like a Wii U copy might be like really sought after, but they apparently printed a ton of those because they're still pretty cheap. They're cheaper than the Switch version. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, that's Pacross 3D round two. Uh, fun game. Enjoyed it going to bed. You are playing something that's a little bit different than a puzzle game. What what have you been playing on your handheld? Yeah, absolutely. So same same situation. Been playing my handheld a lot, and in my case, it's the PlayStation Vita. And uh, man, my Vita is just still going strong. There's so many games that are being ported to it every single day. So many homebrew games that are created on it and i'm gonna need to pick one up that is that's probably my next purchase is is finding a vita that's in good shape yeah it's, it's worth it man so i've been playing the original max Payne on the playstation vita so this game came out in 2001 for pc playstation 2 and og xbox and I played it back in the day. I definitely played it on PlayStation 2 and original Xbox. I beat it a long, long time ago on one of those consoles. I don't remember which one was the one I beat it on. And I love this game. It's just action-packed. 
It's Remedy Entertainment developed it, and it was published by Rockstar Games. And it's just, it's it's so great. It's like a John Woo movie. There's definitely heavy influence of that in the game. You're a cop whose wife and kid were murdered by some drug addicts. And there's this new drug on the street called Valkyrie that is extremely powerful and extremely dangerous. And it's basically just destroying the city and you're basically really really angry really pissed off wanting to get vengeance for the family you lost so you're going deep into the underground crime world to figure out who is behind all this stuff who's supplying all these drugs you're basically like a renegade cop you've been framed for murder so even the police are after you you're just your left is a lone wolf uh, vigilante, essentially. And it's a third-person shooter. And it's one of the original games to introduce slow motion. So basically like bullet time where you can click a button on the controller and you'll just go in slow motion. You can dive to the side or dive back and then spin around the room and shoot everybody and take them out in slow-mo. And I remember that just blowing my mind as a kid. And of course, after Max came, Max Payne came out, so many games copied that and started implementing that into their games. So it's, it's not as a novel as it once was when Max Payne was first released. And there were some sequels. Max Payne 2, I just did, I could not get into the second one. I was so disappointed in it. But I also think that it wasn't the best port to console. I think it was much better on PC. I later on, years later, went back and played it on PC, and I was like, okay, this is actually a good game. It just wasn't good on consoles. And then a long period of time, I think like 10 years went by before they released Max Payne 3. And then I played through Max Payne 3, and that was a really good game as well. And after that, I think it sold pretty well too, but after that, no more sequels. There was like a random-ass movie starring Mark Wahlberg that came out for the game. You know how much that pisses me off when they put Mark Wahlberg as the main character of any video game property. They did it with Uncharted as well, and it just, oh man, that really grinds my gears. Really? I haven't watched that yet. Is that good? The Uncharted movie? Not in my opinion. I, I just can't get over how bad the casting is. Like Tom Holland as Nathan Drake and Marky Mark as um, Soli is just awful. If you look at if you look at these characters in game compared to them, like I can't get over that. I mean, it's a solid like movie if you want to watch it. Just as like if you know nothing about the Uncharted series, but as me as a big uncharted fan who's beaten all of them it it pisses me off (laughs) yeah those care yeah those actors don't look anything like those characters and i remember um nathan the actor nathan fillion really wanted to play nathan drake so much so that he worked on a basically like an unauthorized short film based on the based on the game and it was so good like that was basically him trying to make like a professional audition tape like yeah make this movie and have me be nathan drake do i think he really looks like nathan drake not really but definitely more than tom holland and i just think that he was a fan of the game and was way more enthusiastic to be that character than probably tom holland was but i don't know i didn't see the movie so maybe Tom it Tom was, Holland's a huge Uncharted fan. Maybe he really wanted that role, or maybe so. he was just auditioned for it because he wanted another movie role. I don't know. He's the popular male actor right now because of his Spider-Man role. So I thought they, I think they really just wanted to put him in the movie just to get you know to to make sure it sold. Yeah, yeah, they knew his name would sell. When you got a big name actor, it can really help a movie. So I understand that from yeah. the studio's point of view. But yeah, it's just like there's so many people that are really big fans of certain properties and it and they they go after these 
the rights and and one they they're the ones who want to make these projects and then it just never seems to go to them it seems to go to somebody else who's kind of just not a fan and it's just the next project that ended up in their lap i guess right uh, yeah. anyway totally getting sidetracked <laughs> So yeah, kind of to rope it in, uh, they are actually uh, making a Max Payne and Max Payne Two remake uh, compilation at some point. Really? So they are at least going to revive something in the property. Which hey, it might lead to a sequel down the line if uh, that sells well. Okay, cool. I didn't know about that. I wonder if they're doing like a full blown remake, or if they're just maybe remastering the original games and re-releasing them on modern consoles. Because the interesting yeah. thing is, I don't know about Max Payne 2, but Max Payne 1 is, this game is readily available. Like, you can you can get this on PlayStation 4, which I'm assuming you can also get, also get it on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. Like, this game has constantly been ported forward. And yeah, it's just like the PlayStation 2 version um, running on the modern consoles, but still, it's nice that you can get this on Steam. You can get this on the modern consoles, uh, and I'd really be go. curious how many people own this on on newer consoles and actually played it on there. But anyway, I played it on my Vita. It was not officially released. It's actually the Android port because at one point this game was ported to Android phones, and not only was it on the Vita, not only is it a port of the Android game, but the developers that ported it went in and modified the Android version of the game to be even better. So they basically got the high-res textures and a lot of the assets from the PC version and injected them into the Android version. So it looks even better and has some, some additional features that the original Android game did not have. So this is basically like a really good port and it runs really smooth on the Vita the only thing is, is I made the mistake of playing the game on hard mode and it is nearly impossible I mean at this point I'm already like two-thirds through the game which surprisingly is a pretty long game it's like a 15-hour campaign at least and uh, yeah it's just brutal and especially playing it on the Vita with those tiny little joysticks like I don't know how anybody would have beaten this on hard mode on like PlayStation 2 or Xbox, like you have to play this with keyboard and mouse. Or on a, like an Android for that matter if you're trying yeah. to use Oh yeah, on an Android like touchscreen? Oh, no way, no yeah. way. If you beat this on hard mode on Xbox or PlayStation 2 or even Android nonetheless, let me know because, man, I will give you a standing ovation. So yeah, this game's been kicking my butt. Luckily, it has a quick save feature. Okay. Which is which is amazing because that's typically something it was just in PC games. A lot of console games at the time only relied on checkpoints. So basically, before every encounter with an enemy, before every new battle, I'm saving. Like it's that bad, and you're gonna you're gonna play every single battle like ten times until you get it just right and get lucky and get past it. If they got the feature, abuse it. Might as well. Yeah, you know? exactly. I mean, that's what I always did Saves back in the day. In the long run on PC and even modern modern games. If they got a quick save, pff, you best believe it. I'm not restarting all the way over from the beginning of the level. Forget that. Right. Back to the remake, though. I did find the article. It says the project is sounding like a full remake, given it will be developed on Remedy's newest engine and will have a mat and will have a matching AAA budget. It's tantalizing to imagine the original Max Payne games built using the same engine as Control and Alan Wake 2. Oh, wow. So that's the rumor, but it's an IGN article. It's very legit. So um, yeah. that the rumor is it, it might be a full remake, which would be cool. That would be awesome. So the beautiful thing about this game is, like I said, this thing has been released on every platform it's readily available. It's still readily available to this day. And it's a classic game, so everybody should be able to enjoy this. I mean, this is like, yeah, just one of those historically great third-person shooters that still holds up today. Right now, it's 10 bucks on Steam. I'm sure it's even cheaper during a sale. Nice. Um, but unfortunately, Mitch, you brought to my attention another IGN article that is... Okay 
about how so many classic games are not commercially available. And this, some, this is something that really hits home with me because there are a lot of old games that I want to play that I just can't. They're not on Steam. They're not on any of the digital uh, distributor platforms. They're not on Xbox Marketplace. They're not on Switch. And, and don't get me wrong, plenty of old games have been ported to these consoles and are available, but it's just a drop in the bucket compared to how many classic games are out there. So IGN just released this article, and its new study compares classic games to silent movies. It says just 13% of classic games are commercially available. The Video Game History Foundation hopes new study will open libraries to classic games. Now this is a really good article that you brought to my attention. I definitely have a lot of opinions about this and want to go over it. But just to give the listeners the rundown, I'll quickly go through this article. So spy shooter No One Lives Forever was critically acclaimed when it released back in 2000, earning multiple awards, nods, and a sequel. We called it one of the best shooters of the year in our original review. If you want to play it in 2023, though, you'll have to turn to one of the handful of digital archives available on the internet, because neither No One Lives Forever nor its sequel are commercially available on Steam nor anywhere else. No One Lives Forever is one example of a market where just 13% of games made before 2010 are commercially available, a new study conducted by the Video Game History Foundation revealed. For every remastered update of Metroid Prime, thousands of games are difficult or even possible to obtain legitimately, including games on popular platforms like the Game Boy. Imagine if the only way to watch Titanic was to find a used VHS tape and maintain your own vintage equipment so that you could still watch it, the Video Game History Foundation's Kelsey Lewin wrote in a blog explaining the study. And what if no library, not even the Library of Congress, could do any better? They could keep and digitize that VHS of Titanic, but you'd have to go all the way there to watch it. Like silent movies, that's roughly the situation the video game industry finds itself in, says the new study, which compares the commercial availability of classic video games to the survival rate of silent movies, which is 14%, and pre-World War II audio recordings, which is 10% or less. The new study, which the Video Game History Foundation describes as the first of its kind, examined more than 4,000 games released in the U.S. before 2010, with a special focus on the Commodore 64, Game Boy, and the PlayStation 2. The Commodore 64, which was first introduced in 1982, is described as an abandoned ecosystem with the lowest level of commercial interest, while the Game Boy is described as neglected and the PlayStation 2 is called active. It found that the overall availability of historical games is dire, with many held back by technical challenges, rights issues, and other problems. GoldenEye 007, which was finally re-released on Xbox and Switch earlier this year, has six separate rights holders, including director, direct competitors, Nintendo and Xbox. By the way, this, this article has a lot of typos, which is odd for an IG, IGN article, but... Anyway, very odd. Continuing on, No One Lives Forever has three rights holders, and according to the study, none of them are entirely sure who owns what. It can also be prohibitively expensive to port games to new consoles. With Limited Run Games CEO Josh Fairhurst estimating that just one port can cost up to $350,000. The result of all these challenges that only the most popular retro games are re-released to modern platforms with the rest being available at vintage gaming shops, emulation, or digital archive sites. The struggle to obtain classic video games legitimately is mirrored in other mediums as streamers like HBO Max and Disney Plus pull hun- dude, there's even more typos in this. <laughs> pull hundreds of shows in return for tax benefits. Uh, modern services such as Xbox Game Pass, PlayStation Plus, and Nintendo Switch Online offer access to vintage games in return for a nominal fee. Another typo. As do retro collections like Digital Eclipse's popular Kawabunga collection for the, the, the Teenage Ninja Turtle games. However, many more games remain tied to outdated hardware and demand from collectors has driven up prices. Note, the Video Game History Foundation was founded by Frank Cifaldi in 2017. Uh, yeah, I got, I got a lot of comments about this, but 
One thing to note, it is interesting that they compare it to the survival rate of silent movies, because I remember in college, I took a film history class. And yes, the professor told us that, like, yeah, most movies made before, I don't know, I think it was like the 1920s or something, have been lost to time. And many of them due to fires. There was like a huge fire at one of the the well-known movie studios at their warehouse. And it basically oh, wow. wiped out this huge archive of all of their old movies. And a lot of those, those are the only copies and they were lost forever in this fire. And also film reels deteriorate over time. And if they're not properly stored, then yeah, they just disintegrate and those movies get lost. It's very Reminds sad to hear that. Of, uh... And um, video games, if not preserved digitally, are going to suffer the same fate. There is... I've heard of something called CD rot, where compact compact discs slowly disintegrate. I don't know how true that is because I've never had that happen to any of my CDs, and I got some old CDs. So but I don't know, but uh, anything over time will deteriorate. Actually, I will say some of the GameCube games I've gotten have started to deteriorate. Mm. I don't know what type of glue or like or ink they used, but the top of the discs will bubble. And flake off, oh. and then you lose the, you lose the actual, the graphic. you lose the graphics, but but you actually are also losing the underside, which is where the disc is actually read. Oh, yeah. So the, the interesting thing is, some discs they'll have a label on top of them that has the graphics on one side, and then the shiny part on the bottom that's actually read by the laser, and you got to be careful because if you scrape the top of that disc, you'll scrape the silver part underneath that actually holds the data and then the laser won't be able to read the disc. Fortunately, some disc manufacturers do that differently. Like PlayStation 2 games, the label on the top has nothing to do with the silver label layer on the bottom. It's actually two pieces of plastic glued together. So you have one piece of clear plastic the silver part that holds the data, and then you've got another piece of plastic sandwiched on top of that, and then you have the label. So on a PS2 game, you could scratch the entire label off the top and the disc would still be readable, but on a GameCube mm. game, you can't do that. Okay, that's interesting. But anyway, I got more to say on this, but what's your thoughts on this? Is there is there any games that you th- really think should be preserved in your opinion? Is there any games that you tried to find and weren't able to find? Uh, is there any game you're really glad that is still being brought forward to digital platforms and newer consoles? What do you think? Yeah. Um, hmm. That's a great, those are great questions, honestly. And uh, I need a moment to think about it, but uh, a little bit of uh, something not related, but you were talking about how a lot of those movies were lost in a fire or whatnot. Uh, it kind of reminded me of the Wu-Tang Clan when uh, the guy had all of his music in his basement and they had a, he had a huge flood and all that Wu-Tang music was just gone, all of it, because he only had one copy of it and it was all in their basement. So, I mean, like, it, it just goes to show, I mean, like, with, with whatever media it is, got to have backups everywhere, I mean, or else, like, you lose so much work uh which is just really sad uh really sad to happen but uh going back to the uh the the video games i'm trying to think i mean i'm a wii u collector as i as we were just talking about and uh there are some wii u games that are very tough and very expensive to get i was actually just at mega replay and uh the warrior wario wear that uh they brought to wii u i guess they only had a limited run of copies on that one because that one is in their like glass case like you have, you cannot touch it unless you know you ask him. You're gonna, you know, to to buy it and at the mega replay. And I think it was probably like two hundred or three hundred bucks for that, which that's pretty crazy for a WarioWare property. Um, yeah. Do you know if that's been ported to Switch? Because I know a lot of those there, Wii U games were ported to Switch. That one was never ported to Switch, which is probably why it's so expensive. I think they are bringing it over to Switch now. Uh, I heard. I think I saw during their Nintendo Direct that they are bringing it over. But that's definitely one example. Another one in the Wii U Connect collection is Twilight Princess. For some reason, Twilight Princess, whether it's on just the standard uh, Wii or even Wii U, hundreds of dollars always to, to get one of those, and which which I think is just wild because I mean it, it it was brought over to multiple properties. It was, I believe, 
was Twilight Princess on GameCube as well? Yeah, it was. Or, I got a copy of it on GameCube. Yeah, literally it's been on GameCube, Wii, and Wii U, yet any of those, whether you get on any of those, you're spending a pretty penny to get one of those copies. It's one that I still really want to get, but haven't bit the bullet on it yet. So it, it's a lot of these limited run games which is why you as a collector mike have always like thought about you're always thinking ahead like you were talking last week with uh, i think proteus was the one that you were talking about you're like i think there was only limited copies of this i'm gonna snag one because you know who knows in a few years if you if you're able to get one for a cheap price yeah um, and and twilight princess to your example i got that for cheap and then yeah like a year after i got it all of a sudden demand skyrocketed for it and now it's so I think I paid like 25 bucks for it. And then now, yeah, it's well over $100. Yeah, I was just looking at uh, the exchange, the, this uh, game store I go to now here in Chicago, and uh, I was looking in the Wii U section, Twilight Princess, 150 bucks. I'm like, man, craziness. Yeah, yeah th those, that's when I've kicked myself because I'm sure I could have got it cheaper years back. Yeah. What yeah. were your other questions, though, when we were brainstorming? It was... Um, yeah, what, what's a game you are glad that has been continuously ported and, and brought to newer consoles and, and new generations and is still available? Yeah, I like that uh, they actually mentioned that Cowabunga collection for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I own that collection, actually, because I, I have so much so many fond memories of being in Chuck E. Cheese in our hometown in Peoria and playing that, you know, playing that Ninja Turtles arcade game. And that has been ported over multiple, multiple times. Like, I remember playing it on the Xbox 360 and being able to do online with my friends on the 360 and playing that game. It was, like, mind-blowing to me because I was like, I don't have to use quarters anymore. I don't have to be at Chuck E. Cheese. Like, it, it, it was crazy to me. And then, so, like... I actually got a chance to beat that game with friends because usually you run out of quarters at Chuck E. Cheese and you can't make it through the whole game. Um, so to, I, I think the Turtles property, because they have a lot of good games in that one. You you and I just played uh, Shredder's Revenge not too long ago. Um, yeah, that's like their spiritual successor. Yeah. I'm glad they're still making that exact type of game, but that whole Kyle collection has a lot of really good like tiles from the, the Ninja Turtles. There's a lot of good games back then with uh, that property. Uh, so that's probably one of my big ones. What about you? So I do f find the part of this article interesting where the CEO of Limited Run Games says that it can cost up to $350,000 to port a game. And then they mention, oh, this is why only the most popular games get ported forward and preserved. That's not entirely true because what I find interesting is Limited Run Games just made an announcement of new games that they're porting and bringing to modern consoles and one of them is the gex collection and i i don't know anybody that liked that game or anybody that even owned that game so i was very very shocked to learn that they're gonna spend the time and invest the money to bring that game forward because i'm like who who's asking for that who's gonna buy that I think I did own one of those games on my Game Boy Color at one point, but uh, I I couldn't even tell you anything about it. it would, that, there must be some cult following because I don't understand it either. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, and, and there's plenty of games that are very popular that don't get ported forward because of the rights issues. And one of the ones they talk about is No One Lives Forever. And... Uh, I do own a copy of that for PC. I think I found it at a thrift store for like a dollar. And uh, not only is it hard to get a hold of, I lucked out, like I said, found it at a thrift store, but not only is it hard to get a hold of because it's not on any of these digital platforms due to it being stuck in like rights limbo, but that game is really hard to get running. Like you can't just pop a CD in a modern computer and then it boot up. Like there's all these like fan-made patches you have to install just to be able to run it on a modern system. So, and this goes back to what they were saying, like when they were making the uh, comparison to what if you wanted to watch the Titanic and the only way you could do it was to hunt down an original VHS copy. Um, which I don't think is that great of a comparison because I'm pretty sure the Titanic came out on DVD as well. I'm pretty sure DVDs were out at that time. <laughs> but anyway, I get the point they were making. Or I could be wrong. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so 
So yeah, there are certain situations where the original hardware is the only way to run it without extensive development work. And uh, But I'm totally that guy. You know, I'm the guy to, to go get that original hardware to get it running. And um, there was uh, a game that came to mind, Parappa the Rapper, and really any of like the old rhythm games, because they were built for CRTVs, CRT TVs, there has to be, they won't work on modern televisions because there has to be zero right. latency. Otherwise you have lag and you're always going to be off beat. And it's stuff like that. It's like, yeah, dude, I will, I will definitely own a CRT TV so I can go back and play that game and actually play a rhythm game or, or a light gun game. In some situations, unfortunately, the only real practical way to play it is with the original hardware. Uh, without basically redoing the entire game, which yeah would cost a fortune. I I think another really good example and one that I'm I'm super thrilled exists still is the the Master Chief Collection on Xbox. I mean, while it's not a it's not as old of a property as some of these other games we've been talking about, it still spans multiple console generations, and it's super impressive that they put together a complete collection of my favorite gaming property in Halo. And I can go in, I actually just redound it recently. I can go in and I can say, hey, I feel like playing some Halo 2 today. Just classic Halo 2. I can I can queue up just some classic Halo 2 and the game mode that I want specifically. Or I'm like, no, I just want to play some Halo 3 shoddy snipers. I can I can queue that up as well. And they have every single campaign too. It's all just in one one package like I, I mean i think that's super impressive by 343 and xbox to have that available because i will be playing that for years yeah and we can only wish that every game we love from our childhood or, or earlier on in our, li our life can be preserved to that extent and get yeah. that much love and care and resources and because yeah that is an amazing collection and i can't even start to fathom how much work went into that like I know it had a rocky launch, but I don't think people understand the hurdles you have to jump through to do something like that, to port something forward, to especially something games from multiple multiple consoles. You got the original Xbox, Xbox 360, and they're bringing it all to one console. Each of those poses its own unique problems. It's not like you just solve the problems of one and it you can copy and paste it to the next Halo game. Right. So, yeah, I'm really grateful for a lot of the stuff that gets not even remade, remastered. Um, I love remakes, but also if it's a classic game, sometimes all I need is a remaster. Maybe like, you know, a higher resolution, make it run at a higher frame rate. Other than that, if it was a great game to begin with, just leave it as it is in its original artistic integrity. And that's how I was doing with uh, with Resident Evil Code Veronica just recently. I mean, they just kind of bumped it up to an HD. It literally says Code Veronica HD. So uh, it was still all the same, just a little a little better graphics for the 360, which was, it was it was a great experience. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, as much as I'm the guy who likes likes to go back and play stuff on original hardware, it's not always practical, and I like to collect games, but. I also don't like to go broke and once games become so rare and then are they're hundreds of dollars for a copy then yeah if it's not backed up digitally then I can't get my hands on it and I think the mass majority of people uh, for easier access all this stuff do, does need to be backed up digitally and love it or hate it the, the emulation community is is doing that work and uh yeah it's it, we wish that publishers and developers would spend the resources to back this stuff up and always have it readily available but that's not always doesn't always make business sense it's not always economically feasible so fortunately there is a dedicated community just like this gaming uh history foundation that is trying to preserve all this stuff because the, the the quicker we can get get it dumped and digitally available the uh the better because eventually all this stuff will 
end up in landfills. Collectors will die, and then their stuff will just get thrown out by their family or <laughs> or whatever it is. If the stuff deteriorates, yeah, the digital preservation is very important. And uh, but yeah, with all these companies creating ports and remakes and remasters, you brought another one to my attention, which is the this new collection that appears it looks like it's at least coming to xbox maybe pc as well and this is already available on pc you said it is available on pc i think yeah i think it is already available okay and this is the ant stream oh no this is where wait what is this thing even called uh it's ant stream arcade would you say it was Ant Stream Arcade. Ant Stream Arcade. Okay. So this is a collection of 1,300 classic games. And there's been tons of these collections. I mean, the, going way back. I remember on the original PlayStation, you could buy, like, the Atari collection or the arcade collection. And they would have games from, like, the 80s. A bunch of Atari games or a bunch of old arcade games on one disc. And then the PlayStation 2 and the original Xbox had like Mega Man collections. That was like all the Mega Mans and SNK collections, Capcom collections that had a bunch of their vintage arcade fighting games. So yeah, this concept is not new, but it, it is awesome to be able to just purchase one product and then just get a whole bundle of old games. Maybe stuff that you love from your childhood or maybe you just want to discover some old game you never knew existed. Yeah. But man... 1300 games holy crap i can't even begin to to fathom the logistics they had to go through to get the rights to all that stuff like we talked about it's hard enough to get the rights for one game like no one lives forever let alone 1300 yeah so uh kudos to them it really seems like they have a really good ui for this whole thing too like it seems very organized (laughs) They they do world tournaments with this. They have the couch co-op capabilities, mini game challenges, community like games, uh, daily challenges, leader, you know, the leaderboards they have. It's a whole UI system within these games. I think that they've done a really good job with it from what I've seen. Yeah, and it covers a lot of consoles. So first of all, yeah, my only gripe, my only gripe is that this appears to be digital only. I can't just buy a physical copy and have all 1,300 of those games forever on disc. But it looks like their current pricing model is you can either do a subscription. I think a one-year subscription is 30 bucks. 30 bucks, yeah. Or you can just buy lifetime access for $80. And they did mention that they're going to bring additional games to the collection, which I get. Can't really get a physical copy of something if they're going to continuously be adding to it. That doesn't really work like that. But still, uh, would love love it on a disc. They could, I mean, they could make updates to it and add games, I feel like, on the physical disc, especially if it was like an Xbox series x disc i feel like they would just be like an update that they roll through with more yeah like any other game but it looked like it kind of looked like they were going to have a physical release because it shows like if you look at their home page it says pre-order ant stream arcade on xbox and it looks like it's a little physical like uh like a physical box for an xbox up in the right yeah it's misleading they got the box art yeah but uh, yeah, I don't know. man, I'm I'm looking at some cool games they're just showing in their video. This uh, it's like some cool stuff I've never even seen before. Anyway, yeah, you can pre-order it at the moment. Does it say when it's actually releasing? Uh, it says buy now on PC. Oh, here it is, July twentieth. Oh, oh wow, that's five days. Yeah, so this will be out soon. I'm recording. <laughs> All right, so. Right now it says it says over 1300 games and then if you go to the game list it says the library currently has 1470 games. 
and it covers a lot of consoles. It's got games from the Amiga, Amstrad, Arcade, Atari 8-bit, Atari 2600, Atari 7800, Commodore 64, which the previous article was just talking about how that those games are really hard to get a hold of. And there hasn't been much preservation work done on them, so that's nice that they include the Commodore 64. MS-DOS games, Game Boy, Atari Lynx, that old handheld Atari console, Sega Genesis, MSX, NES, Nintendo Entertainment System, PS1, PlayStation 1, Super Nintendo, ZX Spectrum, MSX2, and Atari 5200. So a lot of, lot of 80s stuff all the way to like the early 2000s. I don't know if it dates me, but I did not realize they had so many different types of Ataris. I was Yeah. Uh, that's that's eye-opening to me. Yeah, I think the only one I ever actually played was the Atari 2600. Um did you well, own one of those? I thought you saw one I, I thought there was something we played at your your uh your house growing up that might have been an Atari system, but maybe I'm wrong. No, nah, I never actually owned an Atari. Um, anyway, yeah, some of these I'm not familiar with, or not that familiar with. So yeah, it would like be all Discovery. Like I don't really know too many Amiga games, which looks like they've got quite a big list of those. Maybe 200 of the games are on the Amiga. Yeah, it says right there, 201 games on the Amiga. Amstrad, I've had little to no experience with that we got 35 games from there arcade 293 games i think this would is where i would be most interested in some of these classic arcade games yeah same uh just looking at it real quick uh rampage love that game art of fighting uh asteroids classic let's see what else oh uh, metal slugs i love those slugs Bad Dudes versus Dragon Ninja. That is <laughs> 80s all the way. Or early 90s. I don't know when that came out. but They've got some Star Wars properties too, which is kind of impressive to have. Yeah, really. Sh Samurai Showdown, that's good. Um, Battle Zone. There's a game called Scrambled Egg. Okay. Shadow Force. Uh, let's see what else. Yeah, I see the Metal Slug one. Smash TV, nice. That's a good one. Uh, Bubble Bobble. Double Dragons. What'd you say? Double, the double, uh, double Dragon, Double Dragon 2 and 3. Nice. You got the original Mortal Kombat. Splatterhouse, Spy Hunter, Centipede. Yeah, it is interesting that they were able to get the Star Wars games. I think that would be hard to get the rights to. Anything that's like... Yeah. Because then you have to get the rights to the game, and then you have to get the rights to whatever the game is is made off, of, whatever property it's made off of mm -hmm. when it's like a license game. They've got the, game. Uh, the Gauntlet arcades. I love Gauntlet. Uh, oh, yeah, those are so good. Gauntlet 2. So, man, just a ton of stuff. Yeah, I would dive into these arcade games and just probably try them all out. Nice. Yeah, Double Dragon games. Freaking love those. Oh, yeah. Tropical. Man, they got a lot. Fatal Fury. Okay, so this yeah, this is a really good deal. Um, yeah, I see the gauntlets. Atari 8-bit, I have no experience with, but they've got 28 games for that. Atari 2600. Uh, Atari, the Atari 2600 is pretty hard for me to, to go back to. Like, yes, it was a revolutionary console, but it's also like very rudimentary, and I don't know, man. It's not. I'm never like after Atari games when I'm out game hunting. Like w when I went to that used bookstore uh, in Gulf Shores, they had a whole rack of Atari games. I walk right past it, and most of the game stores they'll just have a giant bin of Atari games, and they're like a dollar a piece. Like it's just, I don't know. It, I'm sure it has its niche in like cult following, but it's just not for me. So. Atari 7800, never never played that. Commodore 64, you've got 358 games. Again, they're, it's pretty awesome that they're showing some love for this console because it sounds like it's often overlooked. 
MS-DOS games. Only five games, but they've got Afterlife, Day of the Tentacle, Full Throttle. Uh, Day of the Tentacle and Full Throttle are, are great point-and-click games. So is, they got The Dig and Sam and Max Hit the Road. So yeah, a bunch of classic point-and-click games. Game Boy, nothing that I've Not heard of. Atari Lynx. I've actually played an Atari Lynx in person when I was a kid, and it was pretty awesome. Uh, Sega Genesis. I looked through this game list. It's like nothing I've heard of. Yeah, the only thing I heard of on here is Earthworm Jim. <laughs> they have. Oh yeah, they got Earthworm Jim one and two. Okay, but yeah, the rest of these. I don't know. Maybe Sega's kind of like got the better games under lock and key. I bet. Yeah. Well, they got Zombies Ate My Neighbors. That's a classic. So at least three good ones I've seen. The MSX, I'm not familiar with this computer system at all. They've got 13 games from there. NES, 33 games. Uh, Maniac Mansion, which is great. California games, that's fun. Um, Noah's Ark, kind of random one. Uh, Interesting. But yeah, then the rest of these don't really, haven't really heard of or played. And I've played quite a few NES games. PS One, they have two games for PS One: Forty Winks and Loaded. And uh, Loaded is like okay of a game. Forty Winks. Also, I kind of think I played that one. I couldn't I think that it. was just like an okay game. 42 games for SNES. See some repeat, uh, like Earth, the Earthworm Gyms are also on SNES. Yeah, and so is Zombie Ate My Neighbors. It's like, do you really need the Genesis and the SNES S- Super Nintendo version of those? Right. And I've seen these Star Wars properties multiple times as well. Yeah, and it's got the same Star Wars games, so... ZX Spectrum, haven't had much experience with that PC, nor have I with MSX2, and nor have I had... There's one Atari 5200 game, Frisky Tom. Frisky 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 Tom. Tom, Tom, keep your hands yourself, man. We don't need you being frisky over here. If we still named our episodes random things, our episode would be titled Frisky Tom for sure. (laughs) Uh, Cool collection. Uh, Glad they're making it. I'm tired yeah. just thinking about how much work that was to put together. Yeah, seriously. Good job, guys. Um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, that's that's the main reason I like to collect, man. There's a lot of these old games, and uh, each year they get harder to find. Each year more and more people get into collecting old games. They get bit by that nostalgia bug, sure. and then prices go up and up and up. So, Silent uh, Hill, prime example. Yeah. Silent Hill is very hard to find nowadays for a cheap price. You said Silent Hill? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. <sighs> Dude. Yeah. All right. I got to tell you all about the prices on Silent Hill, which is a shame because It is Silent a shame Hill, because nobody knew about it, really, for a long time. Silent Hill is a classic, classic series, where which if you can't tell, we enjoy. But, uh, yeah, dude, I'm so lucky I got all these Silent Hill games, like, years ago. I think the most I paid for a Silent Hill game... Well, I'll go through these one by one. So the original Silent Hill on PlayStation, right now, is averaging $170. And I think I paid maybe 40 or 50 bucks for this at the time. Maybe like I think like 20, 2015, 2016, and at that time I thought that was really overpriced. There's no way in in hell I'd be buying it today for 170 bucks. And then Silent Hill Two is going for 116 dollars. I think I ended up picking that up for like 10 bucks at some random used electronics store. Again, probably back in 2015, 2016. I, the, the mass majority of my collection I got in like between 2015 and 2017. And that's when things were cheap and easy to get a hold of. But now it's just kind of ridiculous. So, uh, 
Let's see here. Holy shnikey, Silent Hill 2 Director's Cut for PC is averaging $5,900. Whoa. Um, let's see what else we got. Silent Hill 3 is averaging $167. Again, I think I paid like 10, 15 bucks for that. Silent Hill Here's 4 The Room, 100 bucks. 50 bucks if you get it on Xbox, 100 bucks if you get it on PlayStation 2, which is kind of odd. I would think the Xbox version would be the better one. Uh, that one, I think I got for... That one, I think I got... Did I get that in Peoria? I don't know. I paid like 20 or 30 bucks for that. Here's one for PlayStation 2, and it's only the case and manual. Silent Hill Shattered Memories, which I am... Uh, I have never played. But uh, the, just for the case and manual is 150 bucks. No game, just the case of manuals, no 150 bucks. Okay, yeah, okay. Nope. So he says Shattered Memories. That was the other one I paid a lot for. And yeah, I got that probably like 2015 or 2016, and I paid like 50 bucks for No, and I paid $40 for it, and it was just the game. So I could use that case of manual, but I'm not going to pay 150 bucks for it. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how much it full. Hold on, let me see. Silent Hill yeah, but Shattered. At, Shattered Memories, it. Holy crap! Yeah, what is that going for now? Uh, oh, uh, now the disc alone goes for two hundred and eighty dollars, and then if you got want a complete copy, it's going to cost you over three hundred bucks. Yep. And then Shattered or Silent Hill Origins is another one, which is. Uh, going for $120 for a complete copy, and I think I paid maybe 25 bucks for that. But yeah, I couldn't believe it, man. Uh, it's crazy. What's the Wii one called? Is that Shattered Memories? Yeah, so that came out on Wii, and then they ported it oh, to okay. PS2. What's it going got for it. on Wii? I got the PS2 version. Uh, looking like around 85 to 90 bucks. Okay, on, yeah, uh, that's what I'm Wii. saying. But um, yeah, so... So this goes back to what we were talking about. The whole reason I picked up a physical copy of Shattered Memories is because you can't emulate it. At least at the time. I don't know if they've updated the PlayStation 2 emulator to where it can run that game, but at the time, that was one of those games that just it was it would not run on emulation. So basically your only option was it and is if it's still broken on through on emulation then really your only option to play that is on an actual playstation 2 uh so yeah like that game really needs to be readily available so that's the problem we we rely on emulation for a lot of this stuff if it get, becomes hard to find, but we got to keep in mind emulators aren't perfect and they do not have a hundred percent compatibility with a console's game library. Anyway, yep. that's yeah, that's insane. Silent Hill, man, just raises the barrier getting into that series. It does unfortunately. But at least they are seems to be they seem to be reviving the property now with that you know the stuff that we've talked about in prior episodes with the Silent Hill Two remake as well as uh, a couple new games. Yeah, and Konami, the publisher that owns the rights to Silent Hill, they're coming out with a Metal Gear Solid collection mm. that's going to have all the the old Metal Gear Solid games for modern consoles. Hopefully, if that does well, they'll think about doing a Silent Hill collection and bring all these games to modern consoles. That would be amazing. That'd be a day one purchase for me. <laughs> yeah, same here. I'm like, man, give me all those. Yeah, give me all those remasters, all the Silent Hill games running HD all on one disc. Yes, you got my money, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anyway, anything else we want to cover about uh, video game preservation? Nope, I think we covered it all. It was yeah, good discussion. All right, cool. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. You can find all our episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, and our other social media platforms are... You can find us on our Twitter at The Hills Are Silent. Our Instagram is Instagram backslash Hills Are Silent. Our TikTok is at The Hills Are Silent Podcast. Our YouTube is at The Hills Are Silent. If you have any questions, comments, game recommendations, if you beat Max Payne on 
hard mode with your Android phone, please send us an email at uh, hillsersound at gmail.com. We'll catch you in the next episode.